tales of history and imagination. Hey everyone, it feels like a very long time since I've dropped anything in this feed. Still on holiday, way too hot over here in New Zealand, um, and we will be back 1st of February. But in the meantime, let's drop something into the feed that was completely unplanned. Today's tale is set in the North Atlantic Ocean, around 400 miles off the coast of the then Dominion of Newfoundland. The date, 15th of April 1912. The time, around 2.30am. Picture our subject, a 38-year-old former Navy officer named Charles Lytle. Tonight may well be his worst day on the job. Sitting in a lifeboat watching his expensive new ship sink below the waves. Something he was assured could not happen. He must have paused to think if he bore any responsibility for the disaster. Just two and a half hours earlier, the scene aboard the ship had been anarchic. The unsinkable ship on her maiden voyage was sinking. Torn to shreds below the waterline, she was taking on much more water than one could hope to ever pump out. With no chance of caulking up the gaping hole, many would die before the night was out. As men tried to muscle their way onto the scant few lifeboats, ahead of women and children, Lightoller stood in their way, pointing an empty service revolver at their heads, cursing them for their cowardice, and threatening to murder the first man who stepped forward. Many women and children would survive because of his bravery, and that's good, right? But he must have questioned his culpability. Now, it was hardly as if he was in charge at the time of the disaster. He'd only just been commanding the bridge watch, but he had handed responsibility onto William Murdoch. He was asleep in his pyjamas when it hit, something attested to by the fact he still had them on under his hastily thrown-on uniform. Lightoller must have looked on aghast as the ship sank below the waves. 1,503 souls aboard would be dragged down to Davy Jones' locker that night. And how could you not look on? Only 705 passengers and crew would survive the shipwreck. Of the more prominent victims was John Jacob Astor, science fiction writer, socialite, and co-founder of New York's iconic Waldorf Astoria Hotel. The investigative journalist, W.T. Stead. Macy's department store, part owners, Isidore and Ida Strauss. Benjamin Guggenheim, the mining magnet. And Archibald Butt, a military aide to Presidents Theodore Roosevelt and William Howard Taft. Various other executives and even investors in the company drowned in the wreck. Even Thomas Andrews, the man who designed the ship, drowned. Now, Charles Lightoller was not the highest ranking member of the organization to get off safely. That dubious honor would go to a cat named J. Bruce Ismay, a White Star executive who was one of the first to get into a lifeboat and who later commented to press that he flat out refused to look at the sinking ship was glad he hadn't. But still, for whatever public eye ever would come the company's way, he was the highest ranking officer on the ship to escape. Ismay never steered the ship. Well, here's the thing. There are a number of reasons the RMS Titanic sank. Disasters like this usually are a combination of factors, much of which can be laid at Ismay's feet. 
well, maybe not the claims by William Randolph Hearst's newspapers, but this may ordering Captain Smith to push a ship faster than it could safely go. There's no evidence this ever happened. Most everything else requiring executive sign-off, perhaps. But there is one element, often overlooked, for which Charles Lightoller does bear a little responsibility. A locker key, which could have saved everyone from this mess. You see, Lightoller was appointed second officer aboard the Titanic, only two weeks before the ship was set to sail. There'd been a number of changes and positions among the officer class in the lead-up to the maiden voyage, leading to promotions and demotions, and the original second officer, Davy Blair, being dismissed from the ship rather hastily on 9th of April. He left, accidentally taking the only key for a locker which held the binoculars. This was only discovered while out at sea. While lockers are only ever really designed to keep honest people out, when brought to Lightoller's attention, he advised to leave the locker as is. When they got to New York, they'd buy a new pair of binoculars from his own paycheck. Did Charles Lightoller know the risk of hitting an iceberg? Well, it appears so. On his watch that night, he gave orders to the lookout to continually watch for, quote, small ice and particularly growls, end quote. At congressional hearings following the disaster, lookouts Frederick Fleet and Reginald Lee both brought up the lack of binoculars as the main reason for the wreck. How much sooner would they have spotted the iceberg, Congress asked. Well, soon enough to get out of the way, was the reply. If one is looking for a moral in this tale, maybe you could go with, you have to break a few eggs to make an omelette. Yes, it wasn't great Charles Lightoller was faced with the prospect of vandalising a locker, but what holds more value, a cheap locker of 1,500 lives? Perhaps the moral is one for greedy organisations to empower their employees to make the hard decisions. But Lightoller had every reason to be scared of vandalising that locker. In the wake of the tragedy, the White Star Line sent bills to the families of deceased staff, asking them to pay for the brass buttons on the deceased's uniforms. Maybe this is a tale about hubris. When they claimed the ship couldn't sink, you knew exactly how that tale would end. I don't know, you take your pick. Now as a post-note, I should comment briefly on that key. Davy Blair went to his grave feeling guilty for the sinking of the Titanic. At some time, he gave a locker key to his daughter, who passed it on to the International Sailors Society. In 2007, that key was sold for £32,000 and has since been resold to a Chinese businessman for £90,000. I should also speak a little more of Charles Lightoller. He was a highly respected mariner before the Titanic, and he would remain so after. He would serve with distinction in World War I, and will become a footnote in another landmark historical moment of the 20th century. In what became known as the Miracle of Dunkirk, 26th of May to 4th of June 1940, Charles Lightoller was one of thousands of civilian sailors who crossed the English Channel to rescue the Allied Expeditionary Force from certain destruction at the hands of Nazi Germany.